0: Lord, we're going to preach the gospel until every soul is one. That was my early announcement. We've got to keep supporting the churches and the missionaries, Lord, until every soul is one. This is the time of the Gentiles. It's the time for you, Lord, to bring the Gentiles in and the missionaries, the evangelists, the apostles, the pastors the teachers are all waiting all waiting for that last soul to be one you are worthy Lord of every one of them because of what you do, have done for us you came you paid the penalty for our sin which is death and you were buried and the third day after you were risen and you're risen today the angels told the women, Mary Magdalene and the women at the at the tomb, he said, He is not here. He is risen. Come and see. Then go and tell. Lord, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Father, we just sent out a missionary last week and he's in Brazil already. And Father, we want to lift him up to you. Father, we put him in your hands. We are hoping that people he's training will be able to get to that last soul somewhere in the jungles of Brazil, who knows, or another missionary in the jungles of Africa, or that last person in India, and China, and Japan, and all the other nations on the face of the earth. Lord, you are worthy of them because of what you've done for us. Now judgment has come into the world. you paid the price for us. And our sins were judged on you, Lord. You can handle them because you are sinless. And the penalty of sin and death cannot destroy you. You destroyed it and it will be destroyed someday. Death will be destroyed and thrown into the lake of fire. And as I always say, I'm going to be jumping awful high. And the last enemy is defeated and thrown into the lake of fire. And death will no longer exist. We can't wait for that day, Lord. Father, us in this church, it's all about you here, Lord Jesus. We want to see your face today. We want to feel your presence today. We want to hear what you have to say today. And we want people to be forgiven their sins and healed today Lord we pray for our missionary Matt Feldner just went into the field We lift him up use him in a mighty way to train up other missionaries and do the things that he's been called to do thank you for getting him safely there Sam. thank you for supporting the missions it's been on his heart It's been on our hearts. So, Lord, today we lift that up to you. Use them in a mighty way. And may Jesus be glorified. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Let us hear what the message is today. And let us obey. And apply in our life. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Good worship, Lewis. Thank you for the Lord. Listen, and for those of you online that just tuned in, this is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. We're right in Lantana, Florida, uh, a quarter mile uh, west of I-95 on the north side of the road, 2810 High Paluxo Road if you're local. You can come every Sunday at 10 a.m., and we're here. You can come every Thursday night at 7.15 p.m., and uh, men, if you're local, we have a Bible study Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. The two services on Sunday and on, and on Thursday will be aired, so you can tune in for those of you out there. Uh, we're glad you're, you're tuned in. Anyway, uh, you can go to our website, freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org, stands for Palm Beach, and you can find out who we are, where we're located. You can listen to the messages from years past. You can even donate online if you choose to. So, uh, you know, we're we're glad you're here. We've been here for seven and a half years at this location, and we've been a church about almost ten years now. So uh, we praise the Lord. He has. We have boxes in the back for anybody here, you know, to support the work that God's doing through Freedom Church. Um, you know, boxes in the back, and we put the boxes in the back because you know. Uh, Unless God builds a house, we labor in vain. So we don't have to beg for finances. There's boxes in the back for those of you who don't know. So we're glad you're here today. Um, Let's see. I think that's about it. Um, On Thursday night, we are in uh, Romans, and I'm going to finish the uh, part B of Romans 1.16, which we sang today. We're not ashamed of the gospel. So praise the Lord. Okay, um, we got a communion today for those of you out there. I forgot to mention it earlier, uh, but you know, if you get yourself a piece of cracker and a little bit of juice, and uh, you can remember the Lord's uh, death, and um, and His resurrection, you know, as we as we take communion. So, I'm going to give a little message. I'm going to make a reading out of the, the scriptures right here, right now. And I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read um, from, I'm sorry, chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 23 and onward, okay? Before the elements are passed out. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. I'm in 1 Corinthians For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. This is a warning verse here, verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So please, while you're taking the communion here today, really believe. Really believe. And don't do it in an unworthy manner. Because this was the blood of the Savior of the world, the Lord God Almighty, clothed with flesh. Because a body was prepared for him. He clothed with flesh. Then dwell among us. And we might know who he is. So the elements are being passed out. But I want you to know, you know, that. As we take a drink from the wine, and as you drink every day with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, have you take a drink, you remember the Lord's death and the blood that he shed for you. Every day when you partake of the meal, the bread that you eat, every day you are supposed to remember the Lord in the eating of every meal. That's why the Lord did it this way. The Lord's Supper is every day. We celebrate it in church the first Sunday of the month in this church. Many churches do it every day. But listen, remember that really when you sit down to dinner, even when you say grace at the table before you eat, you know, tell everybody that even isn't a Christian, they may not be a Christian, but you can say, listen, as we drink of this this fruit juice, as we drink of this milk or this cup of coffee, we remember your your death, Lord, you know. We remember the blood you shed. As you take from the bread, you can tell them, listen, when we bite into our meal that precious ravioli that we just made, you know, I remember your broken body for me. Don't take it unworthily. This was the Lord God Almighty. Do not trample His blood under your foot. So, the wine and the bread The bread is for healing of the body, and I know that this rubs across the grain with some people, but the scriptures are very clear. We're told in Isaiah that by the stripes of Jesus, we're healed. That was before he was born, before he was dead, before he was risen. We're told in 1 Peter 2.24 that by his stripes, we were healed. That means we're healed. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3 said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins. You believe that, right? How about this one? He heals all your diseases. Do you believe that one? we got a sister that's sick right now. It's time to believe. It's time to believe. He forgives your sin. He heals all your diseases. And you believe that he delivers your life from hell, don't you? From the penalty of sin. You're going to heaven. You can believe the first and the third, but why not the second? It's going to take faith to move mountains. Jesus told us that. Have faith in God. You say to this mountain, be taken up, cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt, don't doubt in your heart. and you believe, listen, believe what you prayed, God will grant it. So let's ask, you know, and let's seek, you know, the Lord in all this. We believe that. So buy the bread. As we partake of this bread, remember His broken body. He made provision for our flesh. But we know there's an appointed time for all of us. and That date's not going to change because God has numbered our days. Only He knows that. But we can pray with all we have, that that isn't the day. Okay? Let's have hope. Faith, hope, and love. But these are the greatest. Faith, hope, and love. You know what? When you see Jesus in the kingdom of heaven, you don't need faith anymore. You see him face to face. Hope. You don't need hope anymore because there's nothing to hope for. There's just praise and, and whatever God has assigned for us to do. But but Love. You're going to be staring at the author of love right in the face. Awesome. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all His benefits, who forgives your sins, heals all your diseases, and delivers your life from the pit. Let's partake together. <clears throat> Lord, we remember this blood. This wine represents the blood. Jesus shed on the cross. You know, when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, the earth quaked, the thunder roared, the centurion cried out, Surely this is the Son of God. The veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The blood of Jesus is powerful. And we believe it. This makes atonement for your sins. His blood saves us. Let's remember that as we partake here today. Lord God, we thank you. Thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for making provision for us. Thank you that the Lord turned the Old Testament into the New Testament, the New Covenant a covenant of grace and mercy instead of the old covenant of death. We thank you. We're so grateful to live in this day when we can look back and we can know what Jesus did for us. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. We love you with all of our heart. And we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We are continuing in Matthew chapter 8 and 9. Actually, we're in chapter 9 today. We spent five weeks in chapter 8 seeing the miracles that Jesus had done. So the title of this message is El Roy. The God who sees. If you noticed, in the last message I taught, I believe it was last week, or was it last week? Yeah. Listen, I, I showed you how Jesus is identifying himself through these, these, these miracles that he's doing. He's identifying who he is. In, John, in uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses uh, 1 through 4. Jesus heals a man full of leprosy. Okay, what is a miracle? Remember, I told you what a miracle was. A miracle is a supernatural activity that demonstrates or reveals a spiritual truth. Say that with me, would you? A miracle... Oh, come on, you can do better than that. A miracle Miracle. is a supernatural ability that demonstrates and reveals a spiritual truth. Okay, that's better. Listen, Jesus healed a man full of leprosy. People hated leprosy. They had to scatter out of their way by 100 or 150 feet when a leper came by. Leprosy in the Old Testament represented sin. Jesus lays his hand on this man full of leprosy, because Luke tells us that, and, and, and he's healed. What does that demonstrate in the spiritual truth? You know what it de- demonstrates? That Jesus id Himself as Jehovah-Rofi, which is the God who heals. You can find that in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. Number 2, in verses 5 through 13, oh, I'm trying to drive this home. So we can all understand, especially those that don't know or don't understand or just became Christians. Jesus heals a centurion's servant. He's demonstrating and revealing a spiritual truth here. Jesus is Jehovah Shammah. You know what Jehovah Shammah means? The Lord is there. Jesus was going to go to the guy's house. But he before he got there, you know, the, the man says, Jesus, I'm not worthy you could come under my roof. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus wasn't even there, but he healed the centurion's servant because he's the God that was there, and he's the God that is here. He's at JFK right now. He's here now. He's in China now. He's with Matt in Brazil. It demonstrates that He is Jehovah Shammah. Matthew put all these miracles right in a row for us so that we could see who Jesus is. In verses 14 through 17, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, demonstrating a spiritual truth that He is Jehovah Nisi. He's your victory banner. It's a banner, but it's a banner of victory because it was victory over the Amalekites when you remember when Joshua had to have... Moses's hands hold up with his staff, Aaron, and um, I forget the other fellow's name. And I know it, but we we'll just he held his hands up while the battle was defeated and the sun stayed in one spot in the sky. Listen, he's a victory banner, and Moses made an altar and he said, "You know, this God is. Um, you know, this is my victory altar. This is Jehovah Nissi. My victory is in the Lord." That's Exodus chapter 17, verse 15. and verses 18 through 22 of Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is testing His disciples. He's telling them a spiritual truth, revealing that He is their shepherd because He's the shepherd of of the the, the disciples, which is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verses 23 through 27, Jesus has control over creation. Listen, he's demonstrating a spiritual truth that he is Jehovah Shalom. We say Jehovah Shalom, he caught the sea. That's right. He brought peace to the sea where the storm was raging. He just said, peace be still, and it was still. It demonstrates that he is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. I don't care what troubles are going on in your life today. He can give you peace. He's demonstrating all this, because a miracle is a supernatural activity that demonstrates or reveals the spiritual truth. we got to see this. It should be easy to see. Verses 28 through 34 of chapter 8 of Matthew. He casts out demons. We learned that last week. Demonstrating the spiritual truth, that He's Jehovah-Makadesh. He's the Lord who sanctifies. He set apart these two demoniac people, He set them apart for the Gospel. They wanted to follow Him. Matthew tells us there's two, the other Gospels tell us there are one. That just fills in more details for us, that's all. It's not that the Gospels are are, are not true, or there's a discrepancy, It's, it's more truth. So he's Jehovah Maccadesh. He's he's the God who sanctifies. Leviticus twenty verse eight tells you that. Listen. These people were set apart for the for you know for sanctified in Jesus. These two these two demoniacs were set apart for the gospel. They asked Jesus if they could go with him. He said, No, go home and show your family and your friends, and your whole town. And they immediately went and spread the news that Jesus sanctified them. They are now clean. They were filled with demons. The one was named demon uh, Legion. A Legion in the Roman army is 6,000. There were 2,000 pigs on the hill that Jesus cast the demons into. That means they had three demons apiece. They knew better to mess with a demon. but You can mess with demons if you have the spiritual gift because we have been given authority over demons. You need to know that. You can see a demon face-to-face. You can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, go. And he has to go. I've seen it a number of times. Some of them will put up a fight. But, it, you know, these guys, This they put up a fight with Jesus. Listen, if you want to be set apart and healed, even the United States right now must Repent. That guy the the legion came running to Jesus. He couldn't say much. The demon began to talk, but the man himself ran to Jesus. He wanted healed. He knew who Jesus was. He wanted these demons to leave him. The church needs to repent. Actually, the world needs to repent, and especially the church. You know why Jehovah... I'm saying this is because Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 8 tells us that Moses was in a jam because the people were sacrificing their children to a false god named Molech. You know who Molech is today? He's just renamed himself. It's called Abortion. They're giving up child sacrifices. You're giving up your children because you have a job and you get fired. You're going to take a life just so that you can have a good job. It's all about you, you, you. I know these things don't be preached in many churches today, but I'm going to tell you right out, abortion is wrong. God knew you in, the, in your womb. He put you together there. In the secret place, says Psalm 139, which is your mother's womb. We need to be set apart from this stuff, and that's why Moses, in Leviticus twenty, you know, in verse eight, he says it's the spirit of Molech, and Israel. He wanted he his his point in this was to get Israel to repent, and my point in this is to get the church to repent because the church is guilty of this too. I'm not going to fluff up your ears with with tingling messages that you like. It's very clear. Thou shalt not commit murder. Well, today, Jesus is revealing through these these six miracles that I just went through. This is just a review. He reviews through these six miracles who he is. He's the God who heals. He's the God who is there no matter where you're at. He's the God for of, of your victory. If you have a problem, He can bring you victory. He's your shepherd. He's your peace. And He is your sanctifier who washes and cleanses all your sin away so that you can be set apart, and we sang it today, for the gospel. This is true because you know, through Jesus, we have power, we have authority, and we have love and compassion to work with. You might be lacking power and authority. It might be because you don't love and you have no compassion. All these people came to Jesus because he had compassion for them. And compassion is just another word, I guess you could say, uh, for love. It's a you know, love is a stronger word, but, you know, the it's compassion. You've got to have compassion. We are set apart for the gospel, church. And like the angel told Mary at the tomb, come and see. He is risen, then go and tell. That's our job. That's what Jesus commissioned us to do. But, The Gadarenes, the city of the Gadarenes, rejected Jesus. Listen, you want to be like Cain? Reject Jesus and go out from the presence of the Lord, and you will be sorry. You know what Cain said? Genesis chapter 4, verse 13. He says, my punishment is too great. Listen, you don't want to go out from the presence of the Lord. If he's speaking to you now, bow your heart, bow your knee, throw your hands up in the air like a child that says, Daddy, pick me up. I believe. Well, the Gadarenes on the other side of, that's on the east side of of the Sea of Galilee rejected him. They wanted him to leave. Now we're coming to chapter 9. And this time he's over at his own city. It's his Capernaum, okay? His Capernaum. And what do they do? They welcome him. You need to welcome Jesus right now. Look at what he did for you. He died on this cross for you, the worst worst torture instrument ever invented. Yet you wear it around your neck. Why? It's an instrument of torture. Why would you wear it around your neck? You know why? Because God's trying to tell you how much he loves you. His son came, died for you on the cross, and is risen. So now he's at the other side, his own city, Capernaum. Here's what it says. We're going to read um, Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. I mean, yeah, 1 and 2. So he got into a boat, crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And Jesus saw their faith and said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. I'm going to stop there. We're going to continue on with that. I'm going to stop there. What does Jesus do here? He says, this is miracle number seven in these two chapters. Jesus heals a man, a paralytic, but how does he do it? He says, rise and walk. No. What's he say? Your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the scribes have big problems with this one now, but we're going to get into that later. Jesus heals this paralytic by saying, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is demonstrating here His power, His authority on earth to forgive sins. The scribes and the Pharisees have a big problem with that because it's identifying yourself as God. As you well know, He is. He's the Son of God that came to redeem us. This, He is identifying this. Jesus identifies Himself. Remember, miracles uh, of supernatural activity that reveals the spiritual truth. He's revealing that He is Jehovah Sidkenu. Sidkenu, which means He's our righteousness. He is our righteousness. Jeremiah 33, 16. In those days... uh, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell in safety and this is the name by which it will be called the Lord is my righteousness. Well, you know what made this guy righteous? His his presence, his willingness, his faith to come down before to go before Jesus. But it wasn't only his faith. We know that he was a paralytic and they tore the roof apart. We're going to see that in a little bit. I just want you to know that Jesus Jesus forgives his sins. You remember, there's three imputations in Scripture. Adam and Eve's sin is imputed to man. Man's sin is imputed to Jesus, number two. And number three, Jesus' righteousness is imputed to man. The Lord is our righteousness. What made him righteous? He was willing to have faith in Jesus Christ. He had so much faith, he had his buddies they couldn't get room because of the crowd. Remember, the other side, they rejected him. Go away. Now this side, they're bringing everybody to him because they welcome him. So he imputes righteousness to this man who believes in him. Why'd he do it? Not because he taught Sunday school for for thirty four or four years. Not because he went to synagogue every week. You know, it's because he had faith in Messiah, who has just identified him as, you know, I am your righteousness. We know the first. You've heard me quote it many times. He who knew. He who knew. K N E-W, he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly what is happening here. Jehovah Sid Canoe, Jesus is identifying himself as. Let's continue with uh, verse 3. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, you? Or to say, Arise and walk. But that you may know, this is the reason why Jesus said it and did it this way, but that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go your, to your house. And he arose and departed. Wow. Wow. We all know that the penalty of sin is physical death. Jesus brought spiritual life to this man along with the healing through his righteousness that was imparted to him because he believed. This verse tells us if we come to Jesus, he will forgive your sins. You know, Jesus, Father God is waiting for you. Jesus himself is waiting for you to come to him to repent of your sins. You know that if you don't believe in, if you don't know God, do you know he does not have to answer your prayers? I know that's a a biblical truth that's been undemonstrated by a lot of pastors today, but that God doesn't have to answer your prayers. He does it out of mercy and grace. But you know what? If you pray the prayer of repentance, if you pray the prayer that, Father, forgive my sins for I'm a sinner, He will always hear that prayer of repentance. Always. You know why? Because God wishes that none would perish that all, all, all would come to repentance. Red, yellow, black, white, Italian, Spanish, who knows, Hebrew. He wants you to be saved. Here's what he says in verse 6, that in order that you may know, he wants the scribes and the Pharisees to know that he has the authority uh, to to, uh, forgive sins on earth. Even John in his gospel, you know, he ends. He uh, he says this: These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that believing, you may have life in His name. God's ability here is not questioned. You and I know God can raise up our sister, our brother. Our mothers, our fathers, you yourself know. You don't doubt God's ability. What you doubt is, 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 was He willing to do it for you? Is it because He made no provision for your healing today? No. He made provision for your healing. We just demonstrated that as we took communion today. The church don't seem to want to believe that. We think God is a God of fire and brimstone. No, He forgave. He actually didn't kill Cain when Cain killed Abel. That's grace and mercy. The reason why, well, you know, the Israel was so bad, the Lord had to come up with a covenant, and that covenant had commands to it. And they broke all the commands. So he was trying to say, do this and do that, and you'll be you'll be my servant. But if you don't do that, you won't be. Is it because God didn't make any provision for the flesh? No, he put them in a... Like a teacher would put a, a student in a corner in a classroom because they were disobedient. He had to come up with some kind of way to stop them from from sacrificing their children to the god of molech he had to stop them from from lying and cheating and stealing and all the other things and adultery he had to stop them so he put a law down and people say today uh oh god you know that hurricane was an act of god it wasn't an act of god it was an act of man's consequence for sin we did it not god he created a perfect world read genesis chapter 1 through 3 He've created a perfect world. We messed it up. You know what? By doing that, you are confessing that you are a sinner. And in order to be saved, you have to know you're a sinner. Jesus put this out before for these scribes and Pharisees because he wanted them to know who he was. He is, you know, he had the ability to forgive sin. Remember I said it, Psalm 103, forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, and delivers your life from the pit. God hasn't changed. Miracles were happening in St. Augustine's Day, back around 300, 400 A.D., they're still happening today. I thought the last apostle to die, there was no more miracles. That's not true. That's not true at all. We see miracles, and we see Scripture that tells us, you know, um, that go into all the world and preach the gospel. In my name you'll cast out demons, you'll speak with new tongues. Why is it even in the Bible if we're not going to do it today? Why would God put it there? Because you know why? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Church's atonement has been... Paid for through Christ. But the church has failed. It's time for us to wake up, preach the gospel, and believe it. Not the parts that you like or not the parts your preacher even told you are good and the other ones are bad. Listen, there are apostles today. There are evangelists today. There are people with the gifts of healing today. You know, there are people that fake it but there's are people that really do. I've had missionaries in my home for, you know, 40 years ago, and they would tell us they lay hands on the dead people, and they will raise up. The blind would see. Uh, were they lying to me? I don't think so. I really don't. I've seen witches converted in Guatemala. We gotta believe. We gotta believe. I saw. In Brazil, last trip we were there in 2018, we were there. This guy who was a witch, took his, his witch books, and we lit a fire. And I told the group, I said, I've been through this before. Don't be surprised if, if, it, if it bursts in flames like something you never saw before. It didn't do that. Do you know that? You know what it did do? It wouldn't burn. It wouldn't burn. We had to keep on putting stuff on it to make it burn. And finally, burn up. It's because man has changed. We got to wake up and preach the gospel. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, that's called repentance. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And how many of you know we need America to be healed today? We are in a bad bad way, and we just keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper, and it is not good. Jesus even said in John fourteen twelve, truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he shall do also, and greater works. Now, I'm convinced the greater work is salvation, okay? Jesus demonstrated it right here. You know, go through Acts chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, James chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Why do we come up here, the leaders of this church, lay hands on people and say, if any of you are sick, let them call for the elders of the church, anointing him with oil, and a prayer of faith will heal the sick. Why do we do that if, we, if, it, if there's no healing today? Why did James even write it? Come on, church, we've got to wake up. Quit believing people. Believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. God wills to do both. He wills to heal your body, and He wills to, He especially heals to heal your soul. There's not a doubt. God's intention, Jesus' intention, was to win a soul. He tried to win Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John. He tried to win, win the woman at the well in chapter 4 of John. He turned everything around from the, from the physical to the spiritual. The blind man was born blind from birth. Jesus first gave him, you know, first he went and healed him completely. He healed his body and he healed his soul. And he healed his, his eyes right before everybody's eyes. God wills to do faith, but it takes, do both, but it takes faith, church. I'm not saying you don't have faith. You wouldn't be sitting in here if you didn't have faith. God gave to you a measure of faith. It's time to develop it. It's time to develop it. It's time to move your belief to a higher level. It's time to quit wallowing in the puddles of God and get into the deeper things. Dig into the Scriptures. God loves you. Would you? You know, throw blindness on your on your uh, children you're his child he's going to throw blindness on you he might give you a consequence but not something that severe there's a consequence for sin it's 613 consequences in here if you don't obey the Lord There's so many verses I could go into that, but not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to because this isn't about that. If you come to Jesus, those of you on the Internet, those of you here, if you come to Jesus, it will keep you out of, he- out of hell. It will bring you into heaven. And your sins will be forgiven. In verse 9, 2, they brought him a sick man of the palsy, or he's a paralytic. Mark's gospel says, and Luke's gospel says, there were four friends that brought him and they broke through the roof. Matthew doesn't tell us they broke through the roof, but they broke through the roof. Listen, listen. Not only did this guy have faith, of a paralytic, but his four buddies. Now we got five people. We got one who believes, and one standing in, and four of them standing in a gap, standing in the gap, of believing with him. Jesus, they probably were disappointed whenever Jesus said, "Your sins are forgiven." Okay, he probably saying, "What? I didn't bring him here for sins to be forgiven. I brought him here so that he might be be healed." But he, Jesus, had to solve another conflict with these scribes and Pharisees over here. happy is the man who is forgiven says the scriptures jesus deals with both here verses 3 through 5 here and behold certain scribes and certain scribes said within themselves said listen this is our next point said within themselves okay this man blasphemes And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, listen to that, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore you think evil in your heart? For whether it is easier for me to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk, which is easier? Which is easier, let me ask you. Is is it easier to heal physically or to heal spiritually? It's easier to heal physically, right? You've got doctors, nurses, Indian chiefs running around. Nobody can forgive sins except God. And that's just what the scribes were ticked off about. You are identifying yourself with God. You are blaspheming God. They didn't care about it. Listen, they had no compassion. They didn't care for the paralytic. They had no compassion for him at all. What a shame. No wonder the Jewish religion was, or the Hebrews were, were in trouble back then. Things were, were really bad for them. I'm going to get into that probably as we move along, even if I have time, or I'll continue next week. We're really tearing apart the Scriptures. We're told to study the Scriptures and show ourselves approved unto God. We're not supposed to wallow in the puddles. We're supposed to swing, swim for the deep. We're supposed to win people over and they are wallowing in the puddles, people that are in mid-level, and people that are almost at the bottom because nobody's going to touch bottom because the Word of God is too deep for that. But you can wallow in the puddles all the days of your life. And when you get to heaven, I hope the Lord says, well done, my good and faithful servant. We have work to do down here. Look at this world. It's a mess. Okay. Jesus is identifying himself. Remember I told you miracles are a supernatural activity that demonstrate or reveal a spiritual truth. What is the spiritual truth we just read? It's, here's the spiritual truth, that Jesus saw into their hearts, didn't he? He saw into their hearts. They didn't say a word, but he already knew what they were thinking. And here it is. He is identifying himself as El Roy, El Roy, or Jehovah Roy, which is the Lord who sees. Not only does he see physically and see you physically here, he sees what's going on inside you. He knows what your heart's saying. You can't get God. If you try to hide your sin from God, he he already knows it. He's waiting for you to confess it. Amen. I just read uh, before I did communion... I was reading, and uh, it said Jesus said to Judas, Are you going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Jesus was waiting for him to repent, but he didn't. And that is Genesis sixteen thirteen. the God who sees. He sees into the heart. And only God can do that. Somebody, many people ask me, am I saved, Pastor Joe? I said, to me, you look saved. You know, you have fruit, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I don't know. I wonder sometimes if I'm saved. Some of the things I think and some of the things I do. I do. I think we should all be aware of that. You know, we're, we're so, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Jeremiah says our sins are like filthy, we're like filthy rags before the Lord. Verse 6 and 7, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to he who was sick of the palsy, or paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Notice when Jesus said your sins are forgiven, he didn't want to jump out of that bed. When Jesus said, take up thy bed and go into the house, and he arose and departed, you know what? He was putting into practice his faith. Okay, his faith, his faith and his buddies lowered him into the, uh, before Jesus. But Jesus said your sins are forgiven, but he wasn't healed then, or he would have gone up and walked. He had to exercise his faith. And Jesus said to him, take up your bed and go home. And he took up his bed and go home. What gave him the power to take that first step? His faith. Takes faith. His faith moved a mountain. The the crippled man at the gate, beautiful in Acts chapter 4, I believe it is, or maybe even 5, when Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. What, how, did he, how did he do it? He, he exercised his faith in what Jesus has done, and he obviously knew about Jesus, or Peter and John, he knew about Peter and John. He had to exercise his faith, and we too, church, have to exercise our faith. You can't say, go home and say, the preacher told me I don't have enough faith. No, you need to exercise your faith. That's the whole encouragement that I'm supposed to do here today, to exercise your faith and get others to believe with you. I don't know what happened to this man. Did he have the faith or did his buddies have a faith? Did one of his buddies come to him and say, Hey, Jesus is, is here. Can we take you over there? Or did he, or the leper or the paralytic himself say, Hey, guys, my friends, can you haul me over to Jesus? And they did it. It's probably all of them. This man took up and fed and walked. But more importantly, Jesus made sure he was spiritually healed of his sins. Very important. God will always, always, always hear your sin. So we don't know. Was it the faith of the four men on the corners? Was it the faith of the paralytic? Or was it all of them? We know one thing. It's it's really probably all of the above. Jesus sometimes would say, according to your faith, be made whole. Why would he say that? According to your faith? In other words, if you have faith, take that first step. Take that first step. These five, or these four guys were what we call gap standers. They stood in the gap. Right now, you know, if people are sick and they can't pray for themselves, but they're a believer, you can stand in the gap for them. You can pray for them. So we need to do that. We need to pray for them. These men's faith was active, they took apart the roof. What did the owner say of that? I've read I've read commentaries where they actually think it was Jesus' house because his headquarters was in Capernaum, but yet the Bible says that Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. What did he do for the first 30 years then? Well, he had to have a place to lay his head. He had a carpenter shop. That's how he made money. They took apart a roof. Listen, there's a big difference between the scribes and the Pharisees here than the people here. Now, the owner of that house didn't care if you tear apart the roof. But you know why? Because that paralytic needed healed. But the scribes and Pharisees don't even look at that. They're sitting there saying, hey, he's forgiven sins. On earth. Who does he think he is? God? Well, yeah, he just gave you, this is the sixth miracle he just did. These scribes and Pharisees were most likely following around because they were looking for dirt on Him. Their faith was active. They didn't just say it according to the measure of your faith. Measure your faith. Get a little, believe a little stronger. You believe that your headache can go away? Well, next time maybe you get a leg ache, you believe your leg ache can go away. You know, if you get uh, the flu, you know what? Believe that the flu can be taken away. Now, what if you get the flu? Are you going to lose faith? I don't think so. You shouldn't. You know, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of flu out there. Did you pray specifically for a certain flu? I don't know. There's probably thousands of strands of flu out there. People take the flu shot every year, and they wonder why they get the flu. Why? Because it's a different strand. They can only give you one or two or maybe even five represented in it you know what? We still have to go to God. You go to God first. You know, um, people call me to their house before they, they go to the hospital and stuff or before they you know, just want to talk or just want me to pray for them, and I go to their house and I pray for them. Stand in the gap with them. I asked you this morning to stand in the gap for our sister. I want you to stand in the gap for Matt in Brazil or Brett and Nona when they go on their next mission But look at the the difference. The Pharisees and the scribes, they're saying, he blasphemes. And here's what, in verse 8, and I'm going to stop here. When the multitudes saw it, they marveled. (laughs) The multitudes, the the people are are amazed. They're marveling at the works of, of, of Jesus. But the scribes and Pharisees are sitting there going, he blasphemes. I don't care about that guy. You know what? No wonder, no wonder Jesus came during that time to correct these scribes and Pharisees and the Hebrew nation. They were a mess. They were a mess. And you know one thing we don't want to happen? We don't want the church to be a mess today. We need to wake up, do our job. come and see, go and tell the gospel that He is risen. That's our job. The faster we get it done, the faster the clouds are going to roar open and the Lord is going to descend with a shout and the voice of an archangel and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain be caught up in the Lord, Lord in the air to meet the Lord in the air. What, a, what an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. I don't, I don't know about you. I don't care if my daughters are getting married next week. I'm more interested in marrying Jesus when he takes us up to heaven. Because that's going to be the marriage feast that you've never seen before. And we're going to be in heaven with the Lord for at least seven years. So stand in the gap, people, today. And i got so much more. I could go on, but I'm going to stop here because I drove home the point. Miracles are a supernatural activity that demonstrate or reveals a spiritual truth. And here's what it is. Jesus is Jehovah-Rophie. He healed a leper. Nobody's ever healed a leper before, except, you know, you know about Naaman, who Elisha told to go dip himself in the Jordan, but he never he never went to the scribes and Pharisees to offer sacrifice. He's Jehovah-Rophie, a healer. He's Jehovah-Shammah. He's the God who was at the centurion's house, even though he was out, out here with the centurion, miles away. He was there. Jesus is demonstrating he's Jehovah Shema. Jesus demonstrates he's Jehovah Nisi, our victory banner. He demonstrates that he's Jehovah Rophi. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd. What did he do? He said to the, he said to the guys that wanted to follow Jesus, he said, he said, they said to him, we'll follow you anywhere. And he said, come and follow me. And they said, well, first let me go bury my dad. In other words, I want my inheritance first. A lot, of, a lot of men and women that serve Jesus today gave up their inheritance for Jesus. And believe me, they are going to be rewarded greatly in the kingdom of heaven. He is their shepherd, but they wouldn't follow him. You need to follow him out there over the internet. You need to compile your heart before him because he just proved who he was in these, with these uh, six, seven miracles I just showed you. And we got five more to go he's Jehovah Shalom he's your peace he calmed the sea how could he calm a sea unless he was Jehovah Shalom he's the God of peace he's Jehovah Makedesh he cast out demons and sanctified a man who had most anywhere between two and six thousand demons depends on whether you're going by Roman count or what Romans six thousand he cast them out you know what he was demonstrating I can clean up this demoniac. I can clean up your sexual addiction. I can clean up your uh, sodomy, your sodomy, your your gayness, your homosexuality. I can clean up your drinking, your drugs, and your alcohol. He can clean it up, and he can make you new. He can sanctify you and set you apart for holiness. He's Jehovah Sid Canoe. He heals a paralytic. He's, he is his righteousness. This, this guy was made righteous because Jesus forgave his sin. And we know that no sin will enter the kingdom of heaven. I could put a pot, drop of urine in your bottle of water and you won't drink it. And neither will God take anyone who has sin in his life into the kingdom of heaven. That's how pure the kingdom of heaven is. He will not allow sin. Therefore, your sins need to be forgiven. And the only way your sins can be forgiven is if you receive Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin that you might become the righteousness of God in him. But as many as received him, that's Jesus, he gave you the right. You can actually choose to be a child of God. Make the right choice. If you make no choice, you've already made a choice. So do it now and let me know send me an email at joe at freedomchurchpb.org. joe dot freedomchurchpb.org so we can glorify the Lord with the holy angels that are just praising God that you got saved and your sins are forgiven and you're headed to the kingdom of heaven. And then get to church, read your Bible. Start in the Gospel of John. Father God, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for today. Lord, you're, you're, you are amazing. Your Son is amazing. Your Holy Spirit is amazing. And, Lord, we have an amazing God that lives in our hearts. Lord, to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all.